We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Ben. And tonight it's the Space 1999 episode, Mission of the Darians. Alpha comes across a gigantic 20 by 5 mile spacecraft, putting out a distress signal. When they detect life signs, they decide to go over and take a look. What they find is a ship in ruins. As they explore, in split-up groups, they encounter different things. Koenig and Bergman are attacked by silver-suited spacemen. Paul and Alan just find a blank corridor. And Helena and soon-to-be-dead Purple Sleeve are captured by primitive inhabitants living like savages. What we discover is that the primitive savages uh, exist in a fake religion that has the pseudo-trappings of science, and that they are looking to A, kill mutants, and B, find perfect physical specimens that they can turn over to the spirits of science, who happen to look exactly like the silver-suited spacemen that attacked Koenig and Bergman. Koenig and Bergman are captured by Joan Collins in a very short skirt, and they are invited, along with all the Alphans, to join these people, the Darians, on their 1,000-year journey to a new world. They've already passed 900 years of it in a wrecked, doomed, one almost might say star-lost spacecraft. But now, with only 100 years to go, the Alphans can join them in a bold new world. Alan and Paul find their way to track down Helena, and while Paul chases Helena, who's been taken by the silver-suited spaceman, Alan reforments rebellion, while Koenig learns the horrible truth of how the Darians have managed to survive. Okay, that's good enough. Okay, mission of the Darians. Mission of the Darians. Yes. Uh, I think this one's going to give us a little bit more to talk about than space brains. Maybe a little bit. So, what'd you think of the episode, Ben? Uh, I didn't hate it. See? I didn't, I didn't <laughs> I hate this an one. extra word in there. I know. <laughs> that, that, that word is didn't. Yes. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I, I mean, obviously this, this is a, a story idea that we've seen countless times. Uh, uh, the star lost parallel was by no means lost on me. It was it was plain as day. Uh, there were other little parallels that were going on. A number of them that I, that I was thinking about as I was watching the episode. Uh, there was a bit of Underworld from Doctor Who. There was a little bit of Cloud Minders and from Star Trek. So there, there was a uh, you know this. Uh, a lot of familiarity going on here. Mm -hmm. So, but, but it, I thought, okay, um, yeah, and maybe they're retreading some old ground, but I thought the approach that uh, 1999 took on this you know, wasn't terribly bad. It was kind of, it was kind of a lot going on. I mean, nothing major, but it was a little bit, you know, all over the place. As you say, there's a bit of, there's a bit of this, and there's a bit of that, and there's a bit of the other thing. Mm -hmm. And um, it 
it did make it for a little bit um, disjointed. Maybe that's why I didn't hate it, but didn't love it because it lacked focus. It yes, and yeah. So let's try to take it. Um, uh, I'm going to confess to the the audience. My notes uh, are in unfortunately chronological order through the course of the episode. Normally, I like to organize them, but circumstances uh, didn't. So these may not be addressed in any particular order. And um, I'm just going to throw some things out there, and uh, we can we can kick them around and and see what we get. One, they come across this spacecraft twenty miles by five miles across. That's a big. It's a big ship. It's a big ship. Uh-huh. Really big ship. And they're looking at that big ship, and they're thinking, hmm, I don't know. What are we going to do with that big ship? I don't know. And then but they get a, a distress ship. signal. And they go, huh, huh, distress signal. Hmm. From, coming from the big ship. From the big ship. What are we going to do with the big ship? And then, and then they detect life signs, which I didn't know that they actually had life sign detectors on Moonbase Alpha. That was computer, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I mean, I didn't know they had any kind of technology that did that. I mean, that's that's always been one of those ones in, in Star Trek. Oh, sensors that indicate life signs. Okay. Um, we'd, we'd never really get an explanation of what that means. Is it heat signatures? Is it, you know, I think sometimes it is heat signatures. But Space 1999 has never really had that kind of sensors before. Mm-hmm. You know, they listen for radio signals. They, uh, you know, can see a planet that might be habitable, but maybe cities. But And once that pops up, suddenly it's like, hey, let's go. Now, here's my problem with that. If you saw this 20-mile-by-5-mile space derelict spacecraft, this bugs me every time this happens to Alpha. Why wouldn't you be thinking of salvaging that? Well, if they had detected no life signs whatsoever... Uh, then maybe the whole salvage idea would have been a good one. Well, yeah, obviously they, they, they detected the life signs and therefore they were going on a rescue mission. But it seemed like they were basically spurred to complete inaction until that moment. That, oh, there are people on the board of the ship, therefore let's go. But it seemed to me like they were seriously giving a thought to, well, I don't see any reason we should go check that out. Like, shouldn't they be desperate to find, well, I don't know, how about a working spaceship or anything? It just it just has that sort of, we don't really give any thought to how we need to survive. It's it's reactionary to this, this distress signal. And I, isn't, isn't that kind of, that, that kind of behavior rather typical of Koenig, though? You know, I'm not saying that he's always... Um, inactive in his reactions but he always seems to take the opposite tact from what would be the logical approach (laughs) you know why that is right because computers would do the logical thing and obviously computers are evil and 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 they have no passion so therefore they don't feel they don't feel so and so damn it i'm koenig i'm feeling so I think we should, like, just sit here and wait until we hear something. I feel like we should rescue those people. But the comp- logically, we should be looking at whether or not that spaceship is to our advantage. Um, <laughs> I also think there's a little bit of a disconnect here between the model effects and the script. Uh, Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah. The big 
massive yeah. door yeah, that yeah. Alan can't see. He can't see it. I know. I'm staring right at it thinking, Alan, you mad Aussie. You need glasses. Uh, nothing, Commander. There's no door anywhere. There's no door anywhere. <laughs> the tractor beam pulls them right in the door. The giant oh, door. <laughs> don't see that one coming. <laughs> and apparently, according to Victor Bergman, the reason that their radios don't work was... Radiation. Atomic radiation. Oh, but it's weak. Yes, not not going to harm you at all. But it's just going to screw with our equipment. But it scrambles our radio frequencies. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking if it can scramble the radio frequencies... It's doing more than that to your body. <sighs> yeah. It's not, it's not a place I'd want to be for a long time. Okay, so they, they get sucked into this thing, and they split up. And, all right, that's kind of a... I'll give him... Give Coney this. He takes two people, sends them off one way, two people sends them down the other corridor, leaves two people behind the two people that he wants to... Well, the one person he wants to protect, Dr. Russell, and the security guard to protect her. Right. Okay, I'm fine with that. I'm fine. Right. That, was a, that was a decent course of action. I also think it was kind of uh, interesting that we sent Paul and Alan down to a dead end. I didn't know it was a dead end. Right, no, no, they didn't know it was a dead end. But in other words, they they did that story-wise to give them time to be gone and then return and follow the B-plot. Um, but And it also gives Koenig more to do. Yeah. And then, of course, Koenig and Bergman go down and um, uh, they encounter the Darians themselves. Mm-hmm. So the Darians, 900 years ago, presumably, right after they took off, had some sort of massive accident where all the nuclear reactors all but one except for one exploded irradiated everyone and leaving only 14 darians alive and you know thousands of others uh, to horribly die of the radiation that was locked off out there <sighs> mhm yeah um so what what did you take out of what they were doing with the primitives. So there's also primitives on here, so we'll, just, right. we'll skip ahead to that uh, for the listeners who, who didn't catch that from my amazing recap at the beginning. Um, the Darians are using them as a resource. Yeah. An inhumane resource. Was there one thing? Was there multiple things? What did you take from this story? Well, that's, you know, that's really unusual. Koenig was asking the question... Uh, oh, what was it? Was it Kara? Kara, I think, yeah. Kara, he's asking, you know, you, you're using your own people. She says, no, not using my own people. We're using other people, and they come along our way. So uh, it was kind of unusual. I mean, they're not a slave labor force that we can see. <sighs> okay, so, so Bergman was giving, you know, look. They use this, and we use this, and then and then again, they have this sort of equipment, and it's it's uh, similar to our equipment, but it's different, but it does the same function. Uh, and then we get around to this part where they simply could not have enough protein to fuel these systems. And my thought was, okay, they're cannibals. Is that did did you get that from that 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 was they needed the bodies. Of the primitives. That was the initial thought. To, yes. Yeah, to feed them. Yes. That was the very first thought that I had, that there was some kind of cannibalism going on here. But then later on, 
it turns out that it's they're using them for organ replacement. Mm-hmm. Harvesting. Is that also in addition to eating them? Or or were we misinterpreting the first part? Well, but Kara kind of seemed to really balk at the idea of, of, of the cannibalistic aspect she of didn't it. Li- I mean, right. When the primitives, she said, oh, they reverted to barbarism, cannibalism, as if it was a terrible thing. And yet right. that seems and yet, to be what they're doing. Yeah, but she seemed to also more than just imply that whatever um, – physical, biological needs that the, the Darians have, that they acquire that from other space-faring people. Well... That, that may not be exactly compatible. You know, I, I think that's the only reason they weren't exactly going to go down that route with the Alphans, because they saw greater compatibility and possibility for mutual survival. So, did you really get that impression, though, from their doctors working in the abattoir there, when they were going after Helena, they didn't know she was the alien. Oh, absolutely not. They had no clue. So, and they had trained the primitives to turn up non-mutated individuals. And they picked Helena with that face. Oh, I was, oh, I was waiting God, for I'm you so- to... I was waiting I'm for you to sorry. I got I, – I really need to stop doing that. Don't you just hate it? You're, you're on rotation. You're working on Moonbase Alpha. You're the one security guard who happens to have a slight – A slight – yeah. A slightly finger. disfigured finger. Hey. And you get sent to the planet where they stick you in the disintegrator? Well – Or was that the convert you into raw materials for the recycler? I kind of – that's what I thought it was. So is, is that what we're going through here? The the imperfect people are thrown into the uh, basically the composter, and the perfect people are sent for body organ withdrawal. Is that right? That's is that that's, that that is what I'm assuming now. But here, and like we've had with you know many conversations with uh, regarding Star Lost and the cultures that exist, this is a very bizarre situation that we have going on here. Um. Obviously, they're not using their own people. I mean, yes, they uh, they threw the one uh, dwarf because Let's it was mutant. not mutant. Yeah, well, yeah, because it, there was yeah. a mutation of some sort, and that's I mean, and that is accurate. There is a genetic mutation that stunted the growth. So, hey, you're you're fodder, you know, into into the oven you go. But they seem to have this entire society, a very primitive one, a barb, one just filled with barbarism, that is designed to pick out the perfect people and sacrifice them in this really bizarre pseudo religious kind of ceremony. But they're not doing it to their own people. At least that's kind of the implication. Although oh, we did of that tribe, yeah, they're yeah. the the loose people, and yet at the same time, she also said that we gave them a religion, which Koenig was appalled by, yeah, um, as if they aren't all, and and he gave them the gave them a religion and told them to weed out the weaker elements to make them stronger, which. Uh, eventually, why were, you, why were you doing that if you didn't? If you weren't trying to get them, uh, is it just so that they would continue to breed more 
food for the recycler. I mean, eventually people get old or some of them get born with mutations or and they just chuck them in the thing. But wouldn't it make more sense? So, for example, let's say you're a member of that tribe. We'll call them a tribe. And you have a baby and the baby's a mutant. Toss the baby. You don't get as much nutrients tossing the baby. No, you don't. And if you let them grow up to full size. But if you let them grow up to full size, where are they getting the food Mm -hmm. to grow up? Which, I mean, for 900 years, these people, even though they say in the uh, in the story that they're running out and they're not and they're those people are dying off, too, and they're not going to withstand. Where are they getting their food? Mm, are they good eating question. all those plants and weeds and stuff that are growing all over the 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 wrecked bases? Hey, fiber. Or or is are they also cannibals? Because she did call them at at one point, but she was talking about that you know eight hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. So we didn't even know they existed for twenty years, and then we found out they were you know barbarians, cannibals. Um, and and here, if they were. Then sending the the mutant dwarf to be vaporized is not putting food on your table. That's contrary no, to your needs. Yeah, but it's it's uh, it, it's it's feeding the spirits of um, science. Science, yeah, and and uh, the one the one leader of the Darians whose name begins with Neiman. Neiman, thank you, Neiman. Yeah, uh, and yeah, serving the spirits of Neiman. Mm-hmm. So, as far as they're concerned, I mean, they, from a, a religious standpoint, they're, they're doing some good. So, and it felt a little bit like Star Trek The Apple at that point. With people. <laughs> yeah, with people, precisely. Um, all right, so let's go with the next one. When Koenig realizes, or actually when Bergman realizes and tells Koenig that they're using organ transplant, and that's what they were going to be doing with Helena... And Joan Collins' character agrees, yes, that's what we were doing. Coney's got her up against the wall, and he's roughing her up a bit. And he's, that's what you had in mind for us, wasn't it? Okay? Uh And she, under duress, yes. And then Neiman, standing there with a gun, yes, Commander. So... Koenig seems to be implying that the reason the Darians want the Alphans was so they could become organ donors. Well, it's a good supply. Right. You you can put them in cold storage, then you've got enough to last you for the next 100 years. But the next scene, Neiman is explaining to Koenig, you, your people, as you are now, can live to see our new planet. As if now suddenly what he means is, no, we didn't mean to use you for organs. We meant that you would live with us and you also would be receiving organs and living for a long time. It just didn't make any sense. And no. he was a- appalled by that too. Of course, we wouldn't do that. It's terrible. But, um, you know, there, there, was, there was, I mean, Nina's got a gun on him and he said, yeah, that's, where we, that's what we're going to do to you. And then he's trying to convince Koenig, what I mean is we're going to make you live a long time, too, because we're so evil. It's one heck of an olive branch, isn't it? Yeah. And despite that, why didn't the Alphans decide to bail out and go to that spaceship in the end? 
Hmm. It does kind of seem like that if they'd taken their stuff, they've got a they've got a spaceship that's filled with plants and vegetation and is huge compared to Moonbase Alpha size. And yeah, why not take it? Had, yeah, had, a, had people living on it for nine hundred plus years, and uh, you know, it seems like actually maybe they should have given some thought to that, but. Of course they didn't. And they said, well, we'll help you. And then they just left. And then we'll be on our own merry way. Yeah. And then we just left. It's like, yeah, how are they going to help them? Yeah. We'll help you. Yeah. But you I mean, we're, we're headed the same way, you know? So in, in that respect, it was kind of, um, yeah. Okay. So. Illogical. Switching off to the other side. Um, the primitives. They capture Helena. They capture Lowry. Uh, they take him to the village. The priest comes out. He they pronounce his judgment on poor Lowry and his finger. They kill him. Then they pronounce judgment on Helena, which her acting, she's, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, the whole, she's, she's hasn't quite gotten into her primitive cave woman, primal scream acting, but she's pretty close. She's got one expression. <clears throat> and, uh, and, and I knew when I was watching that, I said, I know they're going to pass her as being, like, perfect. Oh, of course, of course they are. But I kept thinking, And, and Ben's going to be screaming at the... Botox! Uh, <laughs> yeah. Botox! That woman's got so much Botox. How can she be clean? I'm sorry. I'm being mean. I like Barbara Bain. I really do. I thought her face was going to crack. The way they were tossing her around like that, my God. Any harder, it would have split in half. You know, if they just moisturize <clears throat> periodically. Um, it, well, I don't know. But, I mean, with all that Botox. And then she's standing in front of that flame. Good grief. It's a wonder her face didn't incinerate. <laughs> I love you, Barbara. I really do. There is a scene where uh, Neiman is talking to uh, Bergman, I think, and Koenig. Talking about um, there's a, a book from your own history. Or a boat from... Your own history. Yeah. Like yeah. The, and the Ark. was like, oh, the Ark? And I thought, oh, wait a minute. Now, where did a <clears throat> where did the Darians get that information? Well, they did kind of probe. They probed their Victor minds, and Koenig's minds. That's right. Man, that's, that's, kind of, that's kind of really digging deep into the recesses of the brain. That is digging deep in the recesses of the brain. And in so doing, they came to the conclusion that that was a historical boat – Instead of a mythological one. Mythological. Right. Which I thought was very strange. And it's like, who'd they get that from? Is it from Victor? I think I got it from Victor. I think he's He's Mr. Philosophy. He's Mr. uh, Almost Mr. Spiritualism, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, yeah, he's not your, he's really atypical when it comes to being your science officer, if that's the position he holds. Do you know what we want Victor Bergman's character to be? We want him to be not Spock. I bet they actually I bet they actually probably did that. You know, you're probably right. We don't want that comparison. We want we want something completely different. And um which Boy, is- that lasted a while, didn't it? One season. What do we get next year? Hey, um are, what are they going to give us an alien spoilers. who's more scientific? We're spoilers. Yeah. Um, I'm just hypothesizing oh, here. Oh, okay. <laughs> it could be it could be. Um, let's see. I like the fact that Paul and Alan oh, paired those two off. To do, yeah. I actually, you know, I did actually like that. It was nice that those two kind of got paired off and got to see some action. 
they got they got to do something. They got to take uh, you know they weren't re they weren't they weren't waiting for things to happen to them. They were proactive. They uh-huh. found the missing people. They went after the missing people. Um, they tried a nice little bit of fighting there with some in tandem kicking and punching, and uh, that didn't work out too well for them. But um, well, particularly for Alan, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, then they, they got to split up. So Paul got to go on his Paul quest to find Dr. Russell and, and Alan got to do what it is Alan does best. He got to be a cranky Australian who fomented a rebellion. Yeah. Leave it to the angry Aussie. I liked that. I you did know, too. Actually, he finally gets to channel his anger into something, into something useful instead of it, yeah. being a problem. It it worked. Uh, I couldn't see Paul doing that. Not without benefit of those funky moon mushrooms. Mm, that's true. Uh, but uh, Alan, oh, absolutely. He's he's got that that um, that that angry Australian fire in him to he's to also want to do something like that. He's also got that sort of blue collar kind of thing to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you know, I I see him sympathizing far more with the primitives than with the the elite Darians, no matter how short their skirts are. <laughs> and they were short. <laughs> they were short. Yeah, scary short. I wasn't scared, per se, but... Uh, That's not what I meant, but yeah, it's like, but wow, that's short. That was that was definitely... Um, I We were watching it, and my son, um, Koenig, is you know, lying there asleep on the thing... And we see Joan Collins. We haven't seen her face yet. But we see her short skirt walking around Koenig and her legs. Mm-hmm. And and James says, that's that's the kind of thing Captain Kirk would have happen. He's right. <laughs> Smart thought, observation. And I thought it was really funny because knowing that it's Joan Collins. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> I said, well, wait till you... Wait till you see what comes next. And, of course, he didn't recognize Joan Collins or tie her to Edith Keeler in Star Trek. So uh, the joke was not. But he was like, what? Is the guy who plays Captain Kirk in this episode? Uh, like, uh, yeah, no. No. Uh, definitely, definitely no. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that was, um, uh, yeah. So yeah, I can see uh, Paul seems to be like the kind of guy who would be running the revolution. Mm-hmm. Um. What else have we got here? Oh, they've got the race bank, of course. Oh yes, that's that was the 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 underworld parallel. Yes, uh, amongst yeah, amongst other things, yeah, yeah. Um, I love the fact that they show Koenig this. All right, let's talk about the prop. Um, a sort of a glass sheet with pockets in it, uh-huh. and the pockets are brightly colored, different colors. Mm-hmm. Visually kind of interesting. Yes. Couldn't make head nor tail why you would do that. No, but I'm sure somebody thought, oh, but won't this look nice? And hey, it will look very alien. And they're showing that to him, which as far as I can tell, just had paint or something in the little pockets, little different colored liquids. Mm-hmm. And he looks at that and he says, the double helix. Yeah. How did he pull that one out? I don't know. 
I'm I'm not sure. He's got really he's got really, really good, good eyes. eyes. Yes. Yeah, t- yeah, he's got microscopic vision. <laughs> or or is it myopic vision? I'm sorry. Um so we have the race bank and which ultimately gets destroyed by tossing Neiman through it, which I think is I think that's supposed to be a little bit of irony of fate. Yeah, that's supposed to be irony. Yes, it was. <clears throat> Why that killed Neiman? I'm not entirely sure. It sure seemed to. Uh, it appeared to. It appeared he looked, to. He, he looked he, dead. He, he looked quite dead. With paint on his head. <laughs> yeah, it was with green goo on his white hair. <clears throat> Not all of those were destroyed. No, but apparently enough so that it spelled the doom to the Darian civilization. So said Kara. So said Kara. Mm-hmm. I just, I mean, I'm having trouble with the Darians really in there. We're the only pure Darians left. Darian, take away the D. Arian, hmm, purity of race, hmm. Oh, I hadn't seen that one. <laughs> oh, that's kind of funny. Um, well, Britain, 1970s, they're probably still smarting over World War II. Maybe. It's actually a possibility. that may You, you may be right. I, I thought it was a little... If you take somebody who's pure blood and you irradiate them and they mutate, you expel them. You don't want to. You don't want to contaminate the purity of the race. Is that is that what really happens? Well, in other words, yes. If you um, let's just use normal mutation rates. You have a mutation that's a natural mutation, or it's caused by whatever, and I suppose you can pass that on to your children. That's how evolution works. Uh-huh. And favorable mutations may give you a chance to survive better, and unfavorable mutations kill you faster. Yes. Um, we weed them out. If you irradiate an adult person and their cells mutate from that, if, for example, it causes you to not have fingers on one hand, like, uh-huh. I don't think that, that that does not pass on to your children. That is no. not the kind, that is not an inheritable mutation. No, it is. The only mutations that would be inheritable would be those that damaged the genes. The genes at the reproductive Yes, where level. if it if it affects the genome, then and yeah, you could see see that happening. So you could easily have people producing 100% ordinarily normal Darians in the generations that followed. Mhm. So there were a lot of pure Darians in that group. Yes, there and, were. And if there were unfavorable mutations, like the people who were perhaps little tiny, that caused them to not be able to survive as well, then they would eventually get weeded out. But that group of villagers was pretty well... Um, well, they didn't cast them from street bums. They casted those from pretty healthy actors. They look pretty good. Uh, uh, I noticed that too. They looked a little dust and, 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 and you know, they put a funny filthy. wig on them. And, yeah, they, yeah, they looked a little dirty and unkept, but they did not exactly look like they were the lesser of the species. Yeah. They looked like the tribe of health. You know, get, yes, get actually, some, actually, yeah. They looked, you know, as far as physical specimens go, they actually looked better than the Darians did. Yeah. Actually, they did. They did. Uh, yeah, big guy aside, who of course was there because he's he's the muscle, big and imposing. But 
And then, of course, the high priest, uh, the high priest, not priestess, was kind of a, a little bit weird. But I mean, all the people just standing around were just, yeah, could have been extras on Moonbase Alpha. Probably have been He's, extras. I'm on sure they have Alpha. been. You know, just crewmen walking along. They've got a haircut. And they're clean. You look uh-huh. good. So yeah, uh, that was that was a problem. Anyway, so they get around to the fact. Big guy comes in, throws Neiman through the race bank, and. Kara's like, oh, we're all dead now because that was our future. Koenig dramatically goes over and picks a woman at random and then picks big guy and puts them together. These are your future. future now. And you've got to work together to survive. We'll help. No, we're not. We're leaving in 12 hours. Yeah. But, you know, we'll help. <laughs> We'll help, and then we'll, you know, then, then then we'll just bugger off. And when we say help, we'll leave you a manual or something. Yeah, exactly. We're not going to give you any of our supplies. What the hell? Um, and then they have that very strange scene where Big Guy walks past Kara, and I'm not sure what he's staring at. Is it the wall? And he just wall pretty looks at wall, and he stands there silent, motionless, and then. Kara finally walks up to him and looks at him, and she stares. And they both stare off in different directions. And nary a word is spoken, and then the scene ends. Yeah. I'm like, well, were they communicating psychically or something? Or was it? It just. I. It was just meant to look interesting. I think. I didn't get that. Like, I if if something had happened, if if somebody had said something. We will not get along with the Darians or something, anything. And it, but no, there was just sort of this wall staring thing. <sighs> anyway, a um, couple other things. Then I'm I'm done. They're flying back on the eagle, which weird. They should have ended it on the silly stare. Yeah, that would have been a good spot for it. You know, they ended, but instead we cut back to the scene with them flying the eagle back to Alpha because I guess. Uh, we wouldn't be able to understand what happened next week if we didn't see them fly back. And, you know, Helena is still recovering from being dead. And we pan around the chairs, and Paul looks over at the empty chair where Bill should have been sitting. Mm-hmm. And they all sort of have a, a moment. While we hear Bill humming. Mm-hmm. Because he was the guy that was doing all that humming. He was doing the humming before uh, they got caught. And it wasn't any of them humming. That nope. was that it was Bill, Bill humming. Mm-hmm. Weird. That's one. It was very strange, yes. Because normally the deaths of crewmen do not hang over them quite so. Um, <laughs> you know, it'd be one thing if, uh, if Koenig had been like, All right, Commander, who do you want to go on security detail? Uh, I don't know. Give me nine fingers. It's like, he's been itching for some action. <laughs> Great. You know, then I could feel, see how you would, but anyway. And then the other one was, they show up on the monitor, and Kano comes on the thing, and he says, oh, it's good to see your face. Uh, what happened over there, Alan? And Alan's response is, remind me to tell you oh, sometime. Yeah. yeah. Which is a bit of a jerk answer right i mean it's it's a little dismissive. it's a brush off it's a brush off it's a yeah it is kind of a jerk comment and it would be like oh alan you are the biggest jerk on that eagle if it hadn't been for hadn't been for 
Captain Koenig! Commander, would we have... Would you have made different decisions if that had been an alpha situation? Remind me to touch it someday. Yeah. Just like, wow, asshole. Well, because I'm Martin Lando. I have to be the bigger bigger jerk in this. So, you know, usually that's Alan's job, to be the biggest jerk. But Koenig really... Koenig, yeah, Koenig's not going to let Alan show him up on being a jerk. I'm commander of Alpha. I'm king commander jerk here. Jerk. Yes. No, no, that's somebody else. I'm um, I, that. That's commander jerk to you. <laughs> um. Yeah. I. And did he do it because Alan brushed off Kano? Well, I kind of got the feeling he did because he had this like impish smile on his face as the credits began to flash. Like, <laughs> I can be a dick also. Yeah, it was kind of weird. I I didn't know how to read it. I, I really didn't know how to read it. I'm just like, okay. Um, Another couple of jerks in the know, cockpit. It's, it's, one thing, it's for one thing for Kano to say what happened over there. And, you know, Alan's flying. I'll get back to you on that. Yeah. You yeah, know, that's like, one thing. Get back, hit me up in the rec room. I'll tell you what's going on. He could have said it a little nicer. But, you know, I was like, I'm not going to tell you right now. He could have said it in such a way that made it sound like it was so horrific that he didn't want to discuss about it. Well, yeah, I mean, anytime you hear, remind me to tell you sometime, I mean, that really is, that. that's just uh, a backhanded way of saying, you know, I, I really don't want to tell you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's a, what happened. But, you know, it could have been, it could have taken him hours to tell. He could have not wanted to do it. It could have been He could have, memories. Could, he could have said it in a different stuff. way. He could have said well, it a different way. But we'll talk and I get back. Something like that. So I mean, I'm he could have said anything. Kidding it is Koenig was asked a completely different type of question. Would you but he gave the same, the same decisions? Remind me I mean, to tell you sometime. Yeah. When are you going to tell me, Koenig, when we're in the same situation? So oh, when our nuclear reactors go up and you're deciding whether we're going to eat people? <laughs> it's like, uh, I'm going to tell you now, Alan. Um, we're going to put Carter on the Barbie. And uh, you're first up, right? I don't know. I, I, I don't quite – it feels like a moment that Koenig would want to pontificate on. Yes, exactly. He should have waxed philosophically at that moment and instead he was a dick. <laughs> you know, and, and I think he and, – and with that smile, I, I kept thinking he, he's doing this to yank Carter's chain. But boy, it ain't working. No. Okay. Have you got anything else? <sighs> nope, not really. No. I mean it was a it was a a pretty at times looking episode. I like some of the production. I mean you know, again, from I mean those as I said uh, at the top of this uh this recording, I mean there were a lot of ideas that had been used from other shows and kind of thrown into the mix. So it, it gave it a very unfocused kind of feel. But there was just barely enough going on there to make me say, I don't hate it. Mm. I did notice that the matte painting for the undestroyed section oh, yeah. of the ship looked okay. Yeah. But the matte painting for the destroyed section oh. of the ship really looked like a painting. It, it it did. It, it looked like Helena's face. Oh, there I go again. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, oh man, I, I, Barbara, I really do love you. I you know, um, yeah. It, it it was very very um, uh, striking uh, in its difference. So mm, 
I don't I I I don't know if that was deliberate, but I was surprised by it, to say the least. Oh, that they look so differently. Well, no, well, the, the quality. That, that, the, the quality was so bad. Yeah, I mean that was the part that was that, shockingly uh, bad. The the first time I saw it, I thought, "Wow, is that a is that the uh, is that the transfer on on Hulu or something?" I mean, it just it, it just looked like a like a drawing. It was almost uh-huh. Blake Seven level. It did uh, spaceship kind of stuff. Oh, they've painted the Liberator and they're going to drag it across on a popsicle stick. Yeah, uh, <laughs> almost that level. All right. Well, so wrapping up the mission of the Darians, we are looking next time for episode 23 in production order of 24 Hmm. in series one. Right. Episode 23. It can only be one thing. Everyone remembers about space 1999. The weirdest dragon's dragon's lair. Dragon's domain. Yes. The strangest. It's almost a horror episode. So I look forward to seeing that one again to see what you know just just to gauge my reaction to it. Ben, thank you for joining me. Oh, it's a pleasure. <laughs> and listeners. I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. Cheers. Fusion Patrol is a Lone Locust production. Like us, please consider becoming our sponsor at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. We'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Stop by and visit us at our website, FusionPatrol.com. Search for us on Facebook under Fusion Patrol. Check out our Twitter handle, at Fusion Patrol. Or just send us an email at feedback at FusionPatrol.com. Please come join the conversation. Our music is Fight the Future by Amberwolf.